0: We were bored and alone with COVID at play Nothing to do with our lives through the day Then we decided to put on a play Let's try raving the Bard
1: Ardolf, am I not fallen away vilely since this last action? Do I not bait? Do I not dwindle? Why, my skin hangs about me like an old lady's loose gown. I am withered like an old apple, John.
2: Sir John, you are so fretful you cannot live long.
1: Why? There is it. Come, sing me a bawdy song. Make me merry. How now, Dame Partlet the Hen, have you inquired yet who picked my pocket?
3: Why, Sir John, what do you think, Sir John? Do you think I keep thieves in my house? I have searched, I have inquired, so has my husband, man by man, boy by boy, servant by servant. The tithe of a hare was never lost in my house before.
1: I'll be sworn my pocket was picked. Go to, you are a woman, go. Huh.
3: Who, I? No, I defy thee.
1: Go to, I know you well enough.
3: No, Sir John, you do not know me, Sir John. I know you, Sir John. You owe me money, Sir John, and now you pick a quarrel to beguile me of it.
1: Shall I not take mine case in mine inn, but I shall have my pocket picked? I have lost a seal ring of my grandfather's worth forty mark.
3: Oh, Jesu! I have heard the prince tell him I know not how oft that ring was
1: copper. How? The prince is a jack, a sneak cup, splod. And he were here, I would cudgel him like a dog if he should say so. How oh, now, lad, is the wind in that door of faith? Must we all march?
4: Yeah, two and two. Newgate fashion.
3: Oh, my lord, I pray
5: you hear me. What sayest thou, mistress, quickly? Good, my lord, hear me.
1: Prithee, let her alone and list to me.
5: What sayest thou, Jack?
1: The other night I fell asleep here and had my pocket picked. This house is turned body house, they pickpockets.
5: What dost thou lose, Jack?
1: Wilt thou believe me, Hal? Three or four bonds of forty pound apiece, and a sealed ring of my grandfather's.
5: A trifle, some 8 penny matter.
3: So I told him, my lord, and I said I heard your grace say so. And my lord... He speaks most vilely of you, like a foul-mouthed man, as he is, and said he would cudgel you. Oh, what? He did not. There's neither faith, truth, nor womanhood in me else.
1: Setting thy womanhood aside, thou art a beast to say otherwise.
3: Say, what beast thou knave thou?
1: What beast? Why, an otter.
5: (laughs) An otter, Sir John? Why an otter?
1: Why? She's neither fish nor flesh. A man knows not where to have her.
3: Thou art an unjust man in saying so. Thou or any man knows where to have me. Thou knave, thou.
5: Thou sayest true, mistress, quickly,
3: and he slanders thee most grossly. So he doth you, my lord, and said this other day you owed him a thousand pound.
1: A thousand pound? Ha! A million! Thy love is worth a million. Thou owest me
6: thy love.
3: Nay, my lord, he called you Jack, and said he would cudgel you.
1: Did I, Bardolph? Indeed, Sir John, you said so. Yea, if he said my ring was
5: copper. Sir Ra, there's no room for faith, truth, nor honesty in thee. It is all. Charge an honest woman with picking thy pocket. Why, thou whoresome, impotent, imposed rascal, if there were anything in thy pocket but tavern reckonings, memorandums of body houses, and one poor pennyworth of sugar candy to make thee long winded, if thy pocket were enriched with any other injuries but these, I am a villain. And yet, you will stand to if. You will not pocket up thy wrong. Art thou not ashamed?
1: You confess then you picked my pocket. Mistress, I forgive thee. Go, make breakfast ready. Love thy husband, look to thy servants, cherish thy guests. Thou shalt find me tractable to any honest reason. Thou seest I am pacified still. Nay. Prithee, be gone. Now how the news at court for the robbery, lad. How is that answered?
5: Oh, my sweet beef, I must still be good angel to thee. The money is paid back again.
1: Oh, I do not like that paying back. Tis a double labor.
5: I am good friends with my father and may do anything.
1: Rob me the exchequer the first thing thou doest, and do it with unwashed hands, too.
2: Do, my lord.
5: I have procured thee, Jack, a charge of foot.
1: I would it have been of horse. Where shall I find one that can steal well? Oh, for a fine thief of the age of two and twenty or thereabouts. I am heinously unprovided. Well, God be thanked for these rebels. They offend none but the virtuous. I laud them. I praise them. Bardolph? My lord?
5: Go bear this letter to Lord John of Lancaster, to my brother John, this to my lord of Westmoreland. Go, Peter, to horse, to horse, for thou and I have thirty miles to ride, yet ere dinner time. And Jack, meet me tomorrow in the temple hall at two o'clock in the afternoon. There thou shalt know thy charge, and there receive money in order for their furniture. The land is burning. Percy stands on high, and either we or they must blow or lie.
1: Rare words, brave world. Mistress, quickly, my breakfast, come. Oh, I wish this tavern were my drum.
7: (laughs) Well said, my noble Scot. If speaking truth in this fine age were not thought flattery, such attribution should the Douglas have, as not a soldier of this season's stamp should go so general current through the world. By God, I cannot flatter. I do defy the tongues of soothers. But a braver place in my heart's love hath no man than yourself. Nay, task me to my word, approve me, Lord.
2: Thou art the king of honor. No man so potent breathes upon the ground, but I will beard him.
7: Do so, and tis well. (laughs) What letters hast thou there? I can but thank you.
2: These letters come from your father.
7: Letters from him? Why comes he not himself?
2: He cannot come, my lord. He is grievous sick.
7: Sounds! How has he the leisure to be sick in such a rustling time? Who leads his power? Under whose government come they along?
2: His letters bear his mind, not I, my lord.
6: Would the state of time had first been whole, ere he by sickness had been visited. His health was never better worth than now.
7: Sick now, droop now. This sickness doth infect the very lifeblood of our enterprise. Tis catching hither even to our camp
6: your father's sickness is a maim to us
7: a perilous gash a very limb lopped off
2: there is more news my lord the earl of westmoreland seven thousand strong is marching hitherwards and further I have learned the king himself in person is set forth or hitherwards intended speedily with strong and mighty preparation
7: he shall be welcome too where is his son the nimble-footed madcap prince of Wales, and his comrades that daft the world aside and bid it pass.
2: All furnished, all in arms, all plumed, glittering in golden coats like images, as full of spirit as the month of May and gorgeous as the sun at midsummer, wanton as youthful goats, wild as young bulls. I saw young Harry with his beaver on, his quizzes on his thighs gallantly armed, rise from the ground like feathered mercury and vaulted with such ease into his seat as if an angel dropped down from the clouds to turn and wind a fiery pegasus and witch the world with noble horsemanship no more no
7: more worse than the sun in march this praise doth nourish aches let them come they come like sacrifices in their trim and to the fire-eyed maid of smoky war, all hot and bleeding will we offer them. Come, let me taste my horse, who is to bear me like a thunderbolt against the bosom of the Prince of Wales. Harry to Harry shall, hot horse to horse, meet and ne'er part till one drop down a course. Go oh, that Glendower were come.
2: There is more news. I learned in Worcester, Glendower, He cannot draw his power this fourteen days.
7: What may the king's whole battle reach unto?
6: I by my feet that bears a frosty sound.
7: Forty let it be. My father and Glendower being both away, the powers of us may serve so great a day. Come, let us take a muster speedily. Doomsday is near. Die all, die merrily. We'll fight with him tonight.
6: Good cousin be advised. Stir not tonight. Do not, my lord. You do not counsel well. You
2: speak it out of fear and cold heart.
6: Do me no slander, Douglas, by my life, and I dare well maintain it with my life. If well-respected honor bid me on, I hold as little counsel with weak fear as you, my lord, or any scot that this day lives. Let it be seen tomorrow in the battle which of us fears. Or tonight...
4: gracious offers from the king if you vouchsafe me, hearing, and respect.
7: Welcome, sir, and would to God you were of our determination. Some of us love you well, and even though some envy your great deservings and good name, because you are not of our quality but stand against us like an enemy, the king is kind, and well we know the king knows at what time to promise, when to pay. My father and my uncle and myself did give him that same royalty he wears. And when he was not six and twenty strong, sick in the world's regard, wretched and low, a poor, unminded outlaw sneaking home, my father gave him welcome to the shore. Tut, I came not to hear this. Then to the point. He disgraced me in my happy victories, sought to entrap me by intelligence, rated mine uncle from the council board, enraged, dismissed my father from the court, broke oath on oath, committed wrong on wrong, and in conclusion drove us to seek out this head of safety, and withal to pry into his title, the which we find too indirect for long continuance.
4: Shall I return this answer to the king?
7: Not so, sir. We'll withdraw a while. Go to the king, and let there be in pond some surety for a safe return again. And in the morning early shall my uncle bring him our purposes. And so farewell.
4: I would you would accept of grace and love. And maybe so we shall. Pray God you do.
8: bloodily the sun begins to peer above yon busky hill. "'The day looks pale at his distemperature.
5: "'The southern wind doth play the trumpet of his purposes, "'and by his hollow whistling in the leaves "'foretells a tempest and a blustering day.
8: "'Then with the losers let it sympathize, "'for nothing can seem foul to those that win. "'How now, my lord of Worcester?' "'Tis not well that you and I should meet upon such terms as we now meet. "'You have deceived our trust "'and made us doff our easy robes of peace "'to crush our old limbs in ungentle steel. "'This is not well, my lord, this is not well. "'What say you to it? "'Will you again unknit this curlish knot of all-aboard war "'and move in that obedient orb again?' where you did give a fair and natural light and be no more an exhaled meteor, a prodigy of fear and a portent of broached mischief to the unborn times.
6: Hear me, my liege, for mine own part, I could be well content to entertain the lag end of my life with quiet hours, for I do protest. I have not sought the day of this dislike. You have not sought it. How comes it then?
1: Rebellion lay in his way, and he found it.
5: Peace to it, peace. It
6: pleased your majesty to turn your looks of favor for myself and all our house, and yet I must remember you, my lord. We were the first and dearest of your friends, for you, my staff of office, did I break in Richard's time and posted day and night to meet you on the way and kiss your hand when yet you were in place and in account nothing so strong and fortunate as I. It was myself, my brother, and his son that brought you home and boldly did out dare the dangers of the time you swore to us. And you did swear that oath at Doncaster that you did nothing purpose against the state, nor claim no further than your new fallen right, the seat of gaunt dukedom of Lancaster, to this we swore From this swarm of fair advantages, you took occasion to be quickly wooed to gripe the general sway into your hands. Forget your oath to us at Doncaster. We were enforced for safety's sake to fly out of sight and raise this present head, whereby we stand opposed by such means as you yourself have forged against yourself by unkind usage, dangerous contents, and violation of all faith atroth, swore to us in your younger enterprise. These things indeed you have articulate, proclaimed
8: at market crosses, read in churches, to face the garment of rebellion with some fine color that may please the eye of fickle changelings and poor discontents.
5: In both your armies there is many a soul shall pay full dearly for this encounter if once they join in trial. Tell your nephew the Prince of Wales doth join with all the world in praise of Harry Hotspur. By my hopes this present enterprise set off his head I do not think a braver gentleman, more active valiant, more valiant young, more daring or more bold, is now alive to grace this latter age with noble deeds. For my part, I may speak to it my shame. I have a truant bin to chivalry, and so I hear he doth account me too. Yet before my father's majesty, I am content that he shall take the odds of his great name and estimation and will to save the blood on either side, try fortune with him in a single fight.
8: Good Worcester, we love our people well, even those we love that are misled upon your cousin's part. And will they take the offer of our grace? Both he and they and you, every man, shall be my friend again and I'll be his. So tell your cousin and bring me word what he will do. But if he will not yield, rebuke and dread correction wait on us and they shall do their office. So be gone. We will not now be troubled with reply. We offer fair. Take it advisedly.
5: It will not be accepted on my life. Douglas and the Hotspur both together are confident against the world in arms.
8: Hence, therefore, every leader to his charge, for on their answer we will set on them, and God befriend us as our cause is just.
1: Hal, if thou see me down in the battle and bestride me, so, tis a point of friendship.
5: Nothing but a Colossus can do thee that friendship. Say thy prayers, and farewell.
1: I would, t'were bedtime, how, and all well.
5: Why, thou owest God a death.
1: Tis not due yet. I would be loath to pay him before his day. What need I be so forward with him that calls not on me? Well, tis no matter, honor pricks me on, yea. But how if honor prick me off when I come on? How then? Can honor set to a leg? No. Or an arm? No. Or take away the grief of a wound? No. Honor hath no skill in surgery, then? No. What is honor? A word. What is in that word honor? What is that honor? air, a trim reckoning. Who hath it? He that died a Wednesday. Doth he feel it? No. Doth he hear it? No. Tis insensible then, yea, to the dead. But will it not live with the living? No. Why? The traction will not suffer it. Therefore, I'll none of it. Honor is a mere Scutcheon. And so ends my catechism.
6: Though my nephew must not know Sir Richard, the liberal and kind offer of the king, then are we all undone? It is not possible. It cannot be. The king shall keep his word in loving us. He will suspect us still and find a time to punish this offense and other faults. Suspicion. All our lives shall be stuck full of eyes. For treason is what trusted like the fox, who ne'er so tame, so cherished and locked up, will have a wild trick of his ancestors. and an adopted name of privilege, a hare-brained hotspur governed by a spleen. All his offenses live upon my head, and on his father's we did train him on, and his corruption be entailed from us. We, as the spring of all, shall pay for all. Therefore,
7: Deliver out my lord of Westmoreland!
6: Uncle, what news? The king will bid your battle presently. There is no seeming mercy in the king.
7: Did you beg any? God forbid!
6: I told him gently of our grievances, of his oath-breaking, which he mended thus, by now forswearing that he is forsworn. He calls us rebels, traitors, and will scourge with haughty arms his hateful name in us. The prince of Wales stepped forth before the king, and nephew challenged you to single (sighs) fight.
7: Would the quarrel lay upon our heads, and that no man might draw short breath today but I and Henry Monmouth. Tell me, tell me, how showed his tasking? Seemed it in contempt?
6: No, by my soul. I never in my life did hear a challenge urged more modestly, unless a brother should a brother dare to gentle exercise in proof of arms. He gave you all the duties of a man, trimmed up your praises with a princely tongue, spoke to your deservings like a chronicle, making you ever better than his praise by still dispraising praise valued in you, and which became him like a prince indeed. He made a blushing sightful of himself. And chide his truant youth with such a grace as if he mastered there a double spirit of teaching and of learning instantly there did he pause, but let me tell the world if he outlive the envy of this day, England did never owe so sweet a hope, so much misconstrued in his wantonness.
7: <laughs> cousin, I think thou art enamoured on his follies. Never did I hear of any prince so wild a libertine. But be he as he will, yet once ere night, I will embrace him with a soldier's arm, that he shall shrink under my courtesy. Arm, arm with speed. And fellows, soldiers, friends, better consider what you have to do than I, that have not well the gift of tongue, can lift your blood up with persuasion. O gentlemen, The time of life is short. To spend that shortness basely were too long if life did ride upon a dial's point still ending at the arrival of an hour. And if we live, we live to tread on kings. If die, brave death, when princes die with us. Now, for our consciences, the arms are fair when the intent of bearing them is just.
2: My lord, prepare. The king comes on a pace.
7: I thank him that he cuts me from my tail, for I profess not talking. Only this let each man do his best. And here I draw a sword, whose temper I intend to stain with the best blood that I can meet withal in the adventure of this perilous day. Now, Esperance, Percy, and set on sound all the lofty instruments of war. And by that music let us all embrace, for heaven to earth, some of us never shall a second time do such a courtesy.
1: Scape shot free at London. I fear the shot here. There's no scoring but upon the pate. Soft, who are you? But who comes here?
5: What standest thou idle here? Lend me thy sword. Many a noble man lie stark and stiff under hooves of vaunting enemies whose deaths are yet unrevenged. I prithee, lend me thy sword.
1: Oh, Hal, I prithee, give me leave to breathe a while. Done this day. I have paid Percy, I have made him sure.
5: He is indeed, and living to kill thee. I prithee, lend me thy sword.
1: Nay, before God, Hal, if Percy be alive, thou get'st not my sword. But take my pistol, if thou wilt.
5: Give it to me. What? Is it in the case?
1: I have. Tis hot. Tis hot. There's that will sack a city. <laughs>
5: But is it a time to jest in dally now?
1: Ay, Hal, tis hot, tis hot, theirs that will sack a city. I like not such grinning honour as Sir Walter hath. Give me life, which if I can save so, if not, honour comes unlooked for. And there's an end.
8: I prithee, Harry, withdraw thyself. Thou bleat'st too much.
5: No, I beseech your majesty, make up, lest your retirement do amaze your friends.
8: I will do so. My lord of Westmoreland, lead him to his tent.
5: Lead me, my lord. I need not your help. And God forbid a shallow scratch should drive the Prince of Wales from such a field as this. Where stained nobility lies trodden. He breathes too and long. Arms come, our duty this way lies.
7: For God's
0: sake, come.
8: I saw him hold Lord Percy at the point with lustier maintenance than I did look for of such an ungrown warrior.
5: Oh, oh this boy I lends men to the us all.
2: Fatal to all those that wear those colors on them. What art thou? In faith thou bearest me like a king. But mine I am sure thou art, whoever thou be. And thus I win thee.
5: For thou art like to never hold it up again the spirits of valiant Shirley, stafford blunt are in my arms it is the prince of wales that threatens thee who never promised but he means to pay Cheerly, my lord how fares your grace stay
8: and breathe a while thou hast redeemed thy lost opinion and showed thou makest some tender of my life in this fair rescue thou hast brought to me
5: oh god they did me too much injury that ever said I hearkened for your death. If it were so, I might have let alone the insulting hand of Douglas over you, which would have been as speedy in your end as the poisonous potions in the world and saved the treacherous. If labor I mistake of your not,
7: son. come, thou art we Henry Monmouth. My name is Harry Percy.
5: Thou speakest as if I would deny my name. Why, then I see a very valiant rebel of the name. I am the Prince of Wales, and think not, Percy, to share with me in glory any more. Two stars keep not their motion in one sphere,
7: nor can one England
5: brook a double Harry. For the hour is Peace come to end the one the of us, Prince of and would
7: to God thy name and arms were now as great as mine.
5: I'll make it greater ere I part from thee,
7: and all I the bloody no honors brook thy, thy crest vanities. I'll
5: crop to make a garland for my head.
7: Loss of brittle life than those proud titles thou hast won of me. They wound my thoughts worse than sword my flesh. thought's the slave of life, and lifetimes fool. And time that takes survey of all the world must have a stop. Oh, I could prophesy, but that the earthy and cold hand of death lies on my tongue. No, Percy. They were dust and food for
5: for worms. Brave Percy. Fare thee well great heart ill-weaved ambition how much art thou shrunk when that this body did contain a spirit a kingdom for it was too small a bound but now two paces of the vilest earth is room enough this earth that bears the dead bears not alive so stout a gentleman thou wert sensible of courtesy I should not make so dear a show of zeal but let my favors hide thy mangled face and even in thy behalf I'll thank myself for doing these fair rites of tenderness adieu and take thy praise with thee to heaven thy ignominy sleeps with thee in the grave but not remembered in thy epitaph
8: Thus ever did rebellion find rebuke, ill-spirited Worcester. Did not we send grace, pardon, and terms of love to all of you? And wouldst thou turn our offers contrary, misuse the tenor of thy kinsman's trust? Three knights upon our party slain today, a noble earl, and many a creature else had been alive this hour, if, like a Christian, Thou hadst truly borne betwixt our armies true intelligence. Bear Worcester to the death. Other offenders
5: we will pause upon. How goes the field? The noble Percy slain, and all his men upon the foot of fear fled with the rest. And at my tent the Douglas is, and I beseech your grace that I may dispose of him.
8: With all my heart. Then this remains that we divide our power, you, cousin Westmoreland, towards York shall bend you with your dearest speed to meet Northumberland, who, as we hear, is busily in arms. Myself and you, son Harry, will towards Wales to fight with Glendower and the Earl of March. Rebellion in this land shall
7: lose his sway. What news? How doth my son? Thou tremblest, and the whiteness in thy cheek is after than thy tongue to tell thy errand. My lord, I cannot think. Why, he is dead. Yet for all of this say not that Percy is dead. (sighs) I see a strange confession in thine eye. Thou shakest thy head and holdest it fear or sin to speak a truth. If he be slain, say so.
0: I am sorry I should force you to believe that which I would to God I had not seen. But these mine eyes saw him in bloody state, rendering faint Quintance, wearied and outbreathed to hairy mammoth whose swift wrath beat down the never-daunted Percy to the earth, from whence with life he never more sprung up. To some of all is that the king hath won. This is the
7: news at full. Now bind my brows with iron to frown upon the enraged Northumberland. Let heaven kiss earth, let order die. May darkness be the barrier of the dead. To war, oh, yet
0: for God's sake, go not to these wars. The time was, father, that you broke your word, when your own Percy, when my heart's dear Harry, through many a northward look to see his father bring up his powers, ha, but did he long in vain. Who then persuaded you to stay at home? There were two honors lost yours and your sons for yours the god of heaven brighten it for his it stuck upon him as the sun in the gray vault of heaven and by his light did all the chivalry of england move to do brave acts and him oh wondrous him oh miracle of men him did you leave Second to none, unseconded by you, to look upon the hideous god of war in disadvantage. To abide a field where nothing but the sound of Hotspur's name did seem defensible. So you left him. (laughs) Never, oh, never do his ghost the wrong. To hold your honor more precise and nice with others than with him, let them alone. My sweet Harry had but half their numbers. Today, might I, hanging on Hotspur's neck, have talked of Mammoth's grave. With ice-cold hands taking hold me I am dead, none can excel I open the door to heaven Or hell Oh, death Oh, death Won't you spare me over For another won't you spare him over for another year won't you spare him over for another year
5: Before God, I am exceeding weary.
9: Is it come to that? I thought weariness durst not have attached one of so high blood.
5: Faith, it does me, though it does discolor the complexion of my greatness to acknowledge it. Doth it not show vile in me to desire small beer?
9: Why, a prince should not be so loosely studied as to remember so weak a composition.
5: Belike then my appetite was not princely got, For, by my troth, I do now remember the poor creature, Smallbeer. But, indeed, these humble considerations make me out of love with my greatness.
9: How ill it follows, after you have labored so hard, you should talk so idly. Tell me, how many good young princes would do so, their fathers being so sick as yours at this time is? Shall
5: I tell you one thing, Points?
9: Yes, Faith.
5: My heart bleeds inwardly that my father is so sick, and keeping such vile company as thou art, hath in reason taken from me all ostentation of sorrow. What wouldst thou think of me if I should weep? Hey! God save your grace! <laughs> um, and yours, gentle Peter, is your master here in London? Yes, my lord. <laughs> Where sups he?
4: At the old place, my lord, in Eastcheap.
5: Shall we steal upon them, Ned, at supper? Shall we see Falstaff tonight bestow himself in his true colours, ourselves not being seen? Peter, now what news? The king, your father, is at Westminster, and there are twenty weak and weird posts come from the north. And as I came along, I met and overtook a dozen captains, bareheaded, sweating, knocking at the taverns, and <laughs> asking everyone for Sir John Falstaff. <laughs> By heaven, I feel me much to blame. So idly to profane the precious time When tempest of commotion Like the south-born with black vapour Doth begin to melt and drop upon Our bare, unarmed heads Give me my sword and cloak
8: Is it good morrow?
4: Tis one o'clock and past. To comfort you the more I have received a certain instance that Glendower is dead. Your majesty hath been this fortnight ill, and these unseasoned hours perforce must add on to your sickness.
8: I will take your counsel. Where is the prince?
4: I think he's gone about the town, my lord.
8: And how accompanied...
4: With poins and other his continual followers. But, my gracious lord, you look beyond him quite. The prince but studies his companions like a strange tongue, wherein to gain the language, so, like gross terms, the prince will in the perfectness of time cast off his followers and their memory. But pause a while and hear new happiness. There is not now a rebel sword unsheathed, but peace puts forth her olive everywhere.
8: I should rejoice now at this happy news and now my sight fails and my brain is giddy oh me come come near me now I am much ill I pray you take me up and bear me hence into some other chamber softly pray let there be no noise made my gentle friend set me the crown upon my pillow here
4: Exceedingly ill. Not so much noise, my lord. Sweet prince, speak low. The king your father is disposed to sleep. Let us withdraw into the other room. Will it please your grace to go along? No, I will sit.
5: Perturbation, golden care, that keepest the ports of slumber wide open to many a watchful night. Sleep with it now, oh Majesty, my gracious Lord. This sleep is sound indeed. This is a sleep that from this golden regal hath divorced so many English kings. My due from me is tears and heavy sorrow of the blood which nature, love, and fivial tenderness shall I, O dear father, pay thee plenteously. My due from thee is this imperial crown which, as immediate as thy place and blood derives itself to me. The world's whole strength into one giant arm that shall not force this lineal honor from me. This from thee will I to mind leave as tis left to me.
8: Are you so hasty that you doth suppose my sleep my death?
5: I never thought to hear you speak again.
8: Dost thou so hunger for mine empty chair, that thou wilt needs invest thee with my honors before thy hour be ripe? O oh, foolish youth, thou seekest the greatness that will overwhelm thee. Thou hast stolen that which after some few hours were thine without offence. And at my death thou hast sealed up my expectation. Thy life did manifest thou lovedst me not. And thou wilt have me die assured of it. Thou hidest a thousand daggers in thy thoughts which thou hast whetted on thy stony heart to stab at half an hour of my life. What, canst thou not forbear me half an hour? Then get thee gone and dig my grave thyself. Give that which gave thee life unto the worms. Pluck down my offices, break my decrees. Harry the fifth is crowned.
5: There is your crown. God witness with me. When I here came in and found no course of breath within your majesty, how cold it struck my heart, coming to look on you, thinking you dead, and dead almost, my liege, to think you were. I spake unto this crown as having sense, and thus unbraided it. The care on thee depending hath fed upon the body of my father. And therefore, thou best of gold art worst of gold. Thus, my royal liege, accusing it, I put it on my head to try with it, as we've an enemy, that had before my face murdered my father. Let God forever keep it from my head, and make me as the poorest vassal is doth with awe and terror
8: kneel. O oh, my son, God put it in thy mind to take it hence that thou mightst win the more thy father's love, pleading so wisely in excuse of it. Come hither, Harry, sit thou by my bed, and hear, I think, the very latest counsel that ever I shall breathe. God knows, my son, by what by-paths and indirect crooked ways I met this crown, and I myself know well how troublesome it sat upon my head, But now my death changes the mode For what in me was purchased Falls upon thee in a more fairer sort So thou the garland wear'st successively Yet, though thou stand'st more sure than I could do Thou art not firm enough since griefs are green And all my friends, which thou must make thy friends Have but their stings and teeth newly taken out Therefore, my Harry be it thy course to busy giddy minds with foreign quarrels, that action hence born out may waste the memory of the former days. More would I, but my lungs are wasted so that strength of speech is utterly denied me. How I came by the crown, oh, God forgive, and grant it may with thee in true peace live.
5: My gracious liege, won it, wore it, kept it, gave it me, then plain and right must my possession be, which I, with more than with a common pain gainst all the world, will rightfully maintain.
8: Thou bringst me happiness and peace. It hath been prophesied to me many years. I should not die but in Jerusalem, which vainly, I suppose, the holy land... But bear me to that chamber, there I lie. In that Jerusalem shall Harry die.
9: Sweet
3: night. Thou art now one of the greatest men in this realm. Sir John,
5: thy tender whamkin is now king. Harry V the, the man. I speak the truth.
1: What? Is the old king dead?
5: Has a nail in the door. The things I speak are just.
1: Away, Pito, Saddle my horse! I will double charge thee with dignities. I am fortune's steward. Get on my boots, we'll ride all night. I know the young king is sick for me. Let us take any man's horses. The laws of England are at my commandment. Blessed are they that have been my friends, and woe to my lord chief justice. Away, peto. Saddle my horse. I will double charge thee with dignities. I am fortune's steward. Get on thy boots. We'll ride all night. I know the young king is sick for me. Let us take any man's horse. The laws of England are at my commandment. Blessed are they that have been my friends, and woe to my lord Chief Justice.
5: So shaken as we are, so wan with care, we a time for frightened peace to pant, and breathe short-winded accents of new broils to be commenced in strands afar remote.
1: Stand here by me, Pito, Bardolph. I will make the king do you grace. I will leer at... Him. I will leer upon him as he comes by, and do but mark the countenance that he will give me. Stand here by me, Pito, Bardolph. I will make the king do you grace. I will leer upon him as he comes by, and do but mark the countenance that he will give me. God save thy grace, King Hal, my royal Hal. God save thee, my sweet
5: boy. My lord, speak to that vain man.
9: Have you your wits? Know you what tis you speak?
5: My
1: king,
5: my Jove, I speak to thee, my heart. I know thee not, old man. Falter thy prayers. How eel white hairs become a fool and jester. I have long dreamed of such a kind of man, so surfite swelled, so old and so profane. But being awaked, I do despise my dream. Reply not to me with full-born jest. Presume not I am the thing I was. For God doth know, so shall the world perceive, That I have turned away from my former self. So will I those that kept me company. When thou dost hear, I am as I have been. Approach me, and thou shalt be as thou wast. The Tudor. And the feeder of my riots. Till then, I banish thee on pain of death, As I have done the rest of my misleaders, Not to come near our person by ten mile.
1: <laughs> Do not grieve you and this. I shall be sent for in private to him. Look you, he must seem thus to the world. Fear not your advancements. I will be the man yet that shall make you great. I shall be sent for. Soon. At night.
9: Go, carry Sir John Falstaff to the fleet. Take all his company along with him.
5: Take them away.
7: For Falstaff, he is dead. And we must yearn, therefore, wheresoe'er he is, either in heaven or in hell, by my troth, he'll yield the crow a pudding one of these days. The king has killed his heart.
1: Oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention, a kingdom for a stage, Princes to act and monarchs to behold the swelling scene. Then should the warlike Harry, like himself, assume the port of Mars, and at his heels, leashed in like hounds, should famine, sword, and fire crouch for employment. But pardon and gentles all the flat, unraised spirits that have dared on this. Unworthy scaffold to bring forth so great an object. Can this cockpit hold the vasty fields of France? Or may we cram within this wooden O the very casks that did affright the air at Agincourt? Into a thousand parts divide one man. Think when we talked of horses that you saw them printing their proud hooves in the receiving earth for your thoughts that now must deck our kings, carry them here and there, jumping o'er times, turning the accomplishments of many years into an hourglass for the which supply. Admit me, chorus, to this history. Our bending author hath pursued the story in little room confining mighty men, mangling by starts the full course of their glory small in time, but in that small most greatly lived this star of England.